When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So it's uh, all for play for still. I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hi, villains, and welcome to For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast. And today, it's just me, Neil. I don't have Paddy, but I have had a knock at the door. And there's two visitors here to, to, to come in for a cup of tea and have a little chat today. And it's the two guys off the Villa View. It's Dan Bardell and Ty Bracey. How are you doing today, guys? Good, mate. Always good after a, after a win. The next day, always. The next morning, always sounds a bit more bearable when, when Villa have won a game. It's obviously nice to do podcasts and the like when Villa have won as well. Excellent, exactly, exactly. Um, as I said today, I, I was sharing out the because uh, for any of you guys who don't know, I was on the Villa View last night with the two guys, and uh, I shared out last there this morning. I said, A Villa win, looking back at it in the next day, it's the best fun you can have with your clothes on. So, uh, <laughs> 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 it always rings true, you know, you do it, you do have a bit of a pep in your step the next day. Ty, how are you feeling this morning? I'm really good, you know, it's like, um, don't know what's happened to my voice there. Um, it's like uh, the only way I can describe it is like going out and getting absolutely smashed, but then waking up with no hangover. Yeah, I take that. I'll take that. It's, it's the sun is shining. It's a bit cold in uh, in in Viva La Birmingham, but it's a uh, it's a lovely day, mate. You know, it's nice to be on socials this morning as well because it's just positivity beaming everywhere. You know, which is always a good sign after a, a rough couple of years. So. Yeah, I did something that I've that I haven't done in a long, long time. And when I was with you guys last night, I was maybe about ninety minutes away from from where I live. So I hopped back into the car. I was in the coffees last night in the pub, and uh, hopped into the car. And as I was driving back, I turned on Talk Sport 
which is something that I haven't done for quite a while. I'd say maybe Martin O'Neill era was the last time I could stomach listen to, to, to talk sport. Nothing against it. It's just when Villa were down, they were very negative about Villa, so, uh, which I suppose you can't really blame them. Um, but I, I turned on last night, and that'll tell you how much a win will rise all boats. You know, it's, uh, I was actually looking forward to listening to Jason Cundy and what he had to say about that. so that'll tell you what kind of a good mood i was in when i was going when i was going up the road (laughs) was was gabby not on he's he's on talk sport every five minutes at the moment isn't he yeah he wasn't on last night not that i heard anyway but uh i actually like him i like listening to him he's no i do too some uh, you know it's it's funny he's not a hot take merchant which there are too many of those really i suppose knocking around at the moment and he's a wind-up merchant isn't he and uh i think that's what they look for in a in a in a presenter on talk sport you know he's just an absolute wind-up merchant and he's the he's the biggest one of them all mates you'll fit right in in there he's i think the great thing about him is that like he speaks his mind and he's obviously very passionate and an aston villa supporter and he's not going to let anybody talk down about the club and yeah uh, i think the lot of like when he's on he will snap back at people who start not talking negatively and i think I'm not going to say for too long, but it's been a while since we've had maybe uh, a person in the media that's been able to kind of stand up for us, I suppose. Stand yeah. up for Aston Villa. I know Rambo Maybe. McNally does it every every so often, you know, on Sky Sports. He's uh, And you don't want to mess with him, but um, there's, a, there's a couple of guys who, who would have a high enough profile that would be able to do it. But uh, I'm glad to see Gabby is out there getting pushed out in front of the cameras and is uh, doing a bit in the media because, uh, you know, he's... You know, what he did for Villa was absolutely fantastic as well. And sometimes goes goes unsung, I think, as time goes on, people forget how good he was. Um, but, uh, yeah, as I say, so it's great to, great to see him. And speaking about people forgetting how good certain things, certain players and certain events are, before we get on to the game last night, today is 26 years on from Phil King's penalty against, uh, against Inter Milan to, uh, to win the first round of the, of the UEFA Cup. And I, I was blown away by it this morning when... Um, when, when I was reading about it and when you look back at that game do you guys remember it at all I think Dan you were saying just beforehand that that was your first European and game and he's a fossil <laughs> yeah I was uh, it was, would have been my first European game I think I might have even been the first first year I had a season ticket so it was my first exposure to, to European football at, at Villa Park I mean you're a kid you kind of got used to it didn't yeah. you going to, the, going to those UEFA Cup games because we, we pretty much were in the UEFA Cup for most of my, my early time supporting Villa, I mean, yeah. it's completely gone, gone awry now. We're, we're nowhere near Europe, but there were always good times, Villa Park under the lights. And I think that was before the whole end went to, went to all-seater. I think they were, they were redoing the upper tier. They were. At, at that point, so I, w- I was on a milk crate watching that, watching that game, I, th- I think. <laughs> Health and safety. But, uh, exactly. Yeah, I used, that's what you used to do. You used to stand on a milk crate. As a, as a kid in, in, in the whole end. And I just remember when Phil King's penalty went in. I don't think I even saw it go in because it, it just erupted. There were, there was bodies, people everywhere. So that was, a, that was like my, my first exposure to limbs, <laughs> if you like, because it, it was just, it was just absolute carnage. And I was only about seven, I think. Yeah, it was, it, it was one of my first games that I, it was definitely the first um, European game. I remember, obviously I watched it at home and I was telling the guys that I, I had a bit of a mishap that I watched it. I was standing on a, on a, on a, a windowsill and as I went to jump down off the windowsill I was wearing I was like seven or eight as well but I was wearing a really big fluffy pair of socks or something and as I jumped down my feet got stuck in a radiator and I mashed my head off the ground but uh I remember it that's I remember Phil, I remember seeing Phil King's goal on TV my my parents said we stay up to watch the um watch the penalty shootout because uh, obviously 
you know, my dad, my dad wouldn't have been a big football fan, wouldn't have been a big soccer fan at all in our house. But uh, as I started to grow to love Aston Villa from the age of maybe about five or six or seven, um, he started following them with me. So, uh, yeah, it was great. That's it was epic. One of my my old man's a blue nose, mate. So uh, <laughs> my old man's a blue nose. My brother's massive on football. He's, he's, uh, he's like you, Dan, with results from, uh, from past times. He's just got an insane memory for it. But he's an Arsenal fan because he lived in Surrey till he was eight. So, uh, you know, I was only four when that game happened, unfortunately. So uh, I, was probably, I was probably playing uh, with some Power Rangers, to be fair, in the bath or something. <laughs> I, I saw Phil King about two weeks after that game. I think Neil Lamptey lived over the road from me. And we saw, like, we were playing football on the field and we saw Neil Lamptey, Dean Saunders and Phil King. And we went over to get autographs. And Phil King wouldn't sign anything. Neil Lamptey and Dean Saunders did. Phil King just said, no autographs today, lads. We were literally wow. about seven, eight years old. So that, he... that, penalty, that penalty clip's always quite tarnished for me after that a few weeks later. Like, like did, he, did he think that his star was on the ascent? Like, that's probably... I don't the, know. That's the most famous he was. <laughs> just going that penalty. That's I heartbreaking, that is. <laughs> he, was, he was honestly mad, because obviously Dean Saunders at the time was, was Villa's main man, and he was like quite happy to sign up, sign the, sign the footballs and stuff. I think one of the footballs had dog shit on it at the time, <laughs> and he, st- he still signed it. But yeah, Phil King just literally turned around to, to a bunch of kids and was like, no autographs today, lads. So we couldn't believe it. Yeah. Come on, Phil, rectify it. Send Dan an <laughs> autograph if you're listening to the podcast. Rectify this situation. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like as, as I say, hopefully those UEFA Cup days are coming back and Champions League days, I suppose, even uh, even more to the point they're coming back because we're in the heady heights after last night's game. We're, we're up there. Um, come and get us. We've got a target on our back now after two games and we're most likely going to win the league. That's probably, um, that's, that's my synopsis of, the, of how the league has gone so far. But we obviously beat uh, Fulham last night, 3-0. Uh, pretty comfortable performance. I think it's fair to say um, Fulham's owners come out this morning with a pretty weird statement about player acquisition and stuff like that. But And I wouldn't let that tarnish our performance last night. Uh, Ty, I'm going to come to you first. Obviously, that team selection is, is was was more or less the same from Sheffield United the week before. Um, when you, when the team was announced, you know there there looks to be an awful lot of balance in that team as it is, and obviously we've got players to come in. But did you think that we would kind of come out of the traps as fast as we did with obviously the two early goals? Or what was what was your initial feeling before kickoff? I was, I, was, I was fairly confident with the team selection, to be fair. Um, you know, I think, you know, you see a lot of uh, score predictions on social media, and I think most of them said the same, you know, Barb, maybe Trezeguet and Trey Ray switching around. Um, I was really happy with the team selection, to be fair, you know, and Barb, one or two more coming in. I think that's probably the starting 11 you'll see for the majority of the season, you know, with maybe a rotation of a midfielder and a winger. Yeah. I think that's that's a fair cop as well. And uh, there was uh, a certain man, a certain manager that manages the team that we're going to talk about, or managed the team to the great success that we're going to talk about in a moment. And Mr. Tony Pulis, Dan, he had a, a few words to say. He's not, uh, wasn't very, um, how will I put this? It wasn't very complimentary. Well, I don't think it was that he wasn't complimentary about Tyrone Mings, but it's like if he never watched him play football before. He said that he wouldn't be yeah. able to, to marshal Mitrovic or marshal the, the Fulham attack. But uh, the vague in his face, I think, afterwards, because their attack was pretty powder puff. A couple of crosses in from Kenny Tete on the right wing um, coming down that side. Um, I suppose our defensive setup, then, it's, it's obviously something that's, that's kind of come good since lockdown. And what are your views on it? Is there anything that you can actually pinpoint as to, as to what massive changes have happened in that defence? I think probably... 
one thing that has changed is, is just in front of the back four. So if you, you look at Douglas Louise, I, I wasn't having him at all before before lockdown. I, I just wasn't seeing what some people were saying. Yes, I could see that he he was a, a good footballer in terms of, of his technique and the way he moved the ball. But I thought defensively, he was causing us all kinds of problems. Came back after after lockdown when football restarted and his positional sense as a, as a DM in front of the back four was, was just incredible. And those last 10 games, he was far and away our best player and he's made me look very stupid with some of the tweets I've done in the past. So I think having him in front of the, in, in front of the back four up to speed has, has really, really helped. But when we're defending, we just look a, a bit more compact. I think we, we press at the right times as a team now, whereas before perhaps we, we weren't doing that and we were leaving ourselves a bit, a bit open. There's, st- there's still moments where people make rash decisions. Cons is very, very good. He, he's mature, but every now and again, he'll do something that reminds you that he's a young centre-back and even Mings himself, he hasn't played a load of games at centre-back in, in the Premier League, yet he's seen as this really experienced player and our leader back there. But if you look in terms of game time as a Premier League centre-back, he's, he's probably miles away in, in terms of games played. So I think everyone just getting up to speed and get, getting used to it has helped. We had troubles with goalkeepers as well over the course of, of last season. Hopefully that's going to settle down now. But we just look more compact and we look more organised. And it just looks like everyone knows their jobs and when they're supposed to do things, whereas that was not the case for the first 28 games of the season last year. Yeah, and that's, that's, I suppose that is a good cop that these guys needed time to play together. We had a lot of chop and change. Engels was in the team one week. Hawes was in the team another week. Yeah. Um, you know, we had El Mohamedy, Gilbert swapping at right back. And, and that kind of, as a unit, it's probably the biggest unit. The, the, it's one of those ones that you need stability. Like, you go back to the United teams, the early uh, Alex Ferguson United teams. You had Paul Parker. You had Bruce Pallister and Irwin. You know, going back to, yeah. like, that's, I, I would say they played every single game that year, you know, and you see that even Arsenal when they went invincible. I would imagine that there's, if I was to look back at it, their back four probably played every minute together as well. So it's important to have yeah, that done. stability in a back four, I think, too. And that's probably as well. You see, like even you look at you look at Man City's travails, and I know this isn't the Man City podcast, but there's a lot of chop and change trying to find the right formula. And maybe sometimes the time isn't given because managers are under the chopping block an awful lot. And, you know, it's mad to hear that Pep Guardiola has signed 500 million worth of defenders and now they're talking about not giving him time to now the media are saying well how is he getting so much time to implement these guys but you know that's that's football I suppose and that's a conversation for a completely different day but but Ty looking at some defenders that we have there as well there's a much maligned defender that we have and I don't know I think that I think he comes in for an awful lot of unwanted stick and it's it's Matt Target down the left hand side um, oh controversial Sometimes I'm not seeing why people are as angry with him as, as they are. Um, at the, in his early few games last year, I probably did gnash my teeth and shake my fist at him a couple of times until, I kind of lear- until it kind of became apparent that he can't, that this, is, this has to be what he's being asked to do, that, that his job is to be that overlap for Jack Grealish. And then, you know, his defensive duties are very much uh, a kind of a soft press as opposed to being right yeah. up in, 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 the, in the winger's face. Tell me what you feel on Targo. What are your views on him? I mean, I don't really want to be massively controversial to him. Um, I mean, I brought it up last night on, uh, on the Villa View and, you know, I got a bit of stick for... Uh, for I wouldn't even say it was a negative, but I, I think left-back is a position that I wouldn't say we're weak. I don't think weak is the right word, but um, the, the issue I've got with our, our left-wing-back position is we've got 
Neil Taylor, who isn't defensively poor, but he has nothing going forward. But then you've got Matty Target, who is great going forward and probably not as good coming back. Um, but his link-up play with Grealish alongside the left, you know, he's, you know, he's been really impressive over uh, the course of last season. Um, and I think they work really well together on the left. So, you know, it's not really something I'd, uh, I'd want to disrupt this season. Um, but I think it is an area that Dean will look into in the future. You know, we've been, uh, there's been, there's been rumours flying about of uh, Henry from Brentford being bought in, but I don't think it's an area we're going to, we're going to touch up on this, this window. Yeah. It's, 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 it'll be an interesting one because as you mentioned, Neil Taylor is, He's a very decent defender. He's an international quality defender. Yes, he's once again he's a guy who has his cult following, and he's got his uh, his detractors too. But it, I suppose if we were to look at it, um, that would be an area that if you were to poll the the public, that most Villa fans would say we need to strengthen. It'll be interesting to see what happens there because, as I say, I like I quite like Matty Target. He's grown on me, and the fact that we're almost willing to invite people down that wing because nearly yeah. far between forty five and fifty percent of uh, all the the our opposition's attacks come down that wing religiously every single week. So it's almost like we funnel people down that wing because we're nearly yeah. better at defending crosses from there or something. I, I don't know what it is. It's it's a really strange. Yeah, I mean, I, I, th- I think he was he was really important. You know, I don't want to sit here and slate him because he he was massive for us last season. You know, and uh, he got some assists in place and scored some goals. You know, and he. You know, he was there in the right place at the right time. So, so I don't want to sit here and knock him and say, oh, yeah, he shouldn't be in the squad because I, I think he should be in the squad, you know. But I think over the next year or two, two if we're going to start pushing up the table more, I think that is an area we're going to have to improve on. Uh, I think we need more of a more of an all-round um, left-sided wing-back, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. The thing is, though, we spent like 17, 18 million on him and I know the owners have got got big money but we're not going to go and spend 17 18 million pounds on someone and then just make them make them a backup and i think the other thing with targ is he's very good going forward i i really like him i think he gets undue criticism i think as villa fans we're always looking for someone to criticize and especially on social media i don't really like that it feels like at villa since ever i've gone down that there always has to be a scapegoat but you associate attacking fullbacks usually with having the speed so if he gets caught up the pitch, he just doesn't have to have the speed yeah. to get back. That that that's not his game. So it's yeah. it's almost like we're asking him to, to recover, and it's it's a way that he isn't going to be able to recover because he hasn't got that that raw power and speed. But yeah, he's very up and down. He has he has some good games, he has some bad games, but that that won't be a priority for for the board, especially in this window, because there's other areas that they need to get get people in, and I can't simply Villa can't spend eighteen million on someone and then not have them as first choice. Yeah, I agree. It's it's interesting as well. If you see the shift in the league, you see guys like uh, Tariq Lamptey, young kid, comes in, athletic, can play the game, can can be a pressing, attacking fullback. You see Trent Alexander-Arnold. There is also this thought process that the shift to maybe you can get in a young athletic guy from your academy or you can get in a young athletic guy that has latent speed and latent athletic uh, traits that can play that 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 position if needed. And I think that, you know, there's, uh, what's his name? Kane Hessler or Kane yeah. Hayden Kessler and stuff Hayden. like that. Kessler Hayden. Yeah. I think there might be something in him as well, obviously being on the bench last year and, and so on. So maybe that is the thought process that they can maybe get someone in there. If in a pinch, obviously Neil Taylor is next up. If Neil Taylor was to go down then in a pinch, you could bring in somebody like that. And 
as long as the, the, it doesn't affect Jack, which, to be honest, which is really pivotal in our attacking sense, obviously. If it doesn't affect the overlaps for him and the confidence that he has in going forward and, and having that out ball to the outside so that he can just shift it wide um, and we get maybe 80% of the defensive duties that, that Matt Target has, I think he's probably okay with that, Dean Smith, to kind of punt on that for this year. But also, I think as well that Matty Target, you kind of see him, there's, there's kind of a... Uh, Tyrone Mings, without anybody in the in in the crowd, you could hear the Tyrone Mings balled him out of it a couple of times there last night. But uh, he takes it in good jest. And what I think in this is, well, another piece I wanted to bring up was this team. I I can't ever remember an Aston Villa team that has such camaraderie in it. Such like they all seem like friends. You know, they all yeah. really seem like friends. Tyrone Mings, you see Mings and and John McGinn and Jack Grealish and and even Ollie Watkins now and and, and so on. They're, they're all fitting and knitting in. It's. For me, and I'd like to get your guys' thoughts on it, for me, that's probably been the biggest thing that Dean Smith has done. He's united the club. I'd like your views on it, Dan. Maybe am I being overly simplistic or have I got my claret and blue glasses on here? Do I think that Dean Smith is... Am I just thinking that because he's a Villa fan or what? Or is that something that you guys are picking up to? No, I think it's it's valid. I think there's been moments since Smith's been here where the, where the dressing room would have been a bit disgruntled. And we had a bad run under Smith in the championship when he first came in. And obviously we had bad runs last year. But sometimes having a bit of a bit of angst in the dressing room, it, it, it's not a bad thing because I know that Dean Smith and his coaching staff, they've basically just got like a, a no knobheads policy. Yeah. So when they bring players in, they, they look heavily at the, at the character, how, how they're going to fit in in the dressing room. I mean, Matt Target and Jack Grealish, for example, were good friends before before he came in. So they'll have looked at that. They'll have asked Jack, Jack about him, what his opinion is on him. They want people that are going to fit in the dressing room and, and not cause problems. So as much as they want good players, I think something they look at is they want to have a strong dressing room. They want to have that togetherness. And, and ultimately, that was a huge factor in staying up last season because the lads got together. Dean Smith cajoled them and we got ourselves out of trouble when it really looked like we were going down. Yeah. And, and Ty, has it been any kind of, is there anybody you think that obviously when you see people like Mings and, 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 uh, and Jack out there, they're the two leaders. Is there anybody else that you think that really kind of is that, that gel within that team? Because, you know, there have been calls even, like if Villa were getting relegated last year, it was a case of, okay, we're, the bigger teams are going to pick apart this squad. Yeah. But obviously the squad stayed together. We haven't let anybody go this season. And, and that's testament. So is there anybody else do you think that is probably a, you know, a, bit of, a piece of glue within that team that kind of keeping everybody together? Um, I think it's I think it's collective across everybody um, more than everything uh, more than anything. Sorry, um, I think believe, believing in in Dino has been a massive factor as well. You know, I mean, if you look at the stick me and Dan got at the end of last season, um, I, I up until the last day was you know smithing and w- we can do this. You know, and I got absolutely hammered for it. Um, Someone who I've been particularly impressed with, especially after lockdown, because we did look a bit uh, rusty after lockdown at the start, you know, even though we were defensively better, um, was Douglas Louise. He's just come back a completely different player, you know, and then you're hearing that he's uh, been passing English exams, you know, so he's adding to the communication with the squad, you know, and as as Dan said when... Uh, at the start of the podcast, we've watched changed in the defence. Where have we got better? It's what's in front of him. You know, we've got the Brazilian Vieira, and I think he, I think he's fantastic. Um, and people were saying that he had a quiet game last night, and I don't really believe that to be true. But it was just that we didn't have a team hammering us for ninety minutes coming at us, so we didn't really see much of him as more than usual because he wasn't as heavily involved with because we were much further up the pitch. 
Yeah, yeah, your DM's quiet. That's a, that's a good thing. You, you, you're wanting to quietly get, get along with his business. It means you, you haven't been in trouble through the game. Definitely, yeah. I agree, mate. It, and it's interesting as well. I haven't looked at the at the stats from last night, but when you look at the Who Scored team of the week so far, there's four Aston Villa players in it. Mings, Matty Cash, and then the two other central midfielders that weren't Douglas Louise. And usually you'd be saying that Douglas Louise was their standout central midfielder. So McGinn and, and Conor Howard were uh, were selected in the, the Who Scored team. So there was four Villa players in total there, which is, uh, I suppose, is testament to the fact that it was so comfortable that we could do what we wanted with Fulham yesterday as well. Um, and, and, and as I say, I think if there was money left in the pot at the end of the year, and I don't know if Man City like it, uh, I think it would be wise to see if there was an option to maybe buy out uh, Douglas Louis' recall or uh, buyback clause in his contract because you see that this club means business. And, and the reason I was getting with the camaraderie piece is because obviously Mings has signed a new contract, Jack Grealish has signed a new contract. I would expect guys like McGinn. And uh, you know, there's no point in offering Douglas Louis a new contract now if Man City just decide, hey, we're going to take him back now that Fernandinho is, uh, is, is on his last legs. So it would be an interesting piece to be able to, um, to see if there was some negotiation with, with, with Man City on that and see if we, if, if we could do a deal, lock him up for a couple of years because that core of the team would be pivotal. And, and while some people said bringing in the multitude of players we did last year was a negative, I think going forward, the players that we want to keep, it'll be a good point because we'll have them all locked up for four or five years and they'll be able to grow together. And obviously, you know, five-year contracts mean heavy, heavy transfer uh, value for those players because they won't have, have time winding down their contract, provided they don't try to throw the ties out of their pram. But as Dan said, we don't hire knobheads in, uh, in the recruitment process. So uh, hopefully that would be the case that, that we've got honourable young gentlemen that will, uh, will stick to their contracts and not throw the dummies out of the, or the ties out of the pram. But I think looking, we'll be in trouble with Louise, you know. Not, <laughs> not this, not, not this summer, but yeah. in 12 months' time, I think, I think we're going to be in big trouble. If you watched, Matt, I don't know if anyone watched the Man City game oh. on Sunday, but then um, Rodri and Fernandinho just look so pedestrian. Mm. And Louise isn't that, and he's also got the passing attributes that, that Pep likes. So, I mean, to be fair, Pep might not be here in 12 months' time, which would, would probably end up being a good thing for Villa, but he likes Louise. So, I think in 12 months' time, we're in a bit of trouble there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, as I say, it's it's definitely something to look at. Um, obviously, there talk, there's talks potentially, most likely, of well, this morning it looks like the Ross Barkley. Yesterday it looked like it was Ruben Loftus Cheek. I don't really want to go down the the transfer merry-go-round at the moment because I think everybody's clamouring to have that first story and throwing shit at the wall, if you excuse the phrase. I had to say that they can be right, but I think that this one goes down to Sunday evening or Saturday, or Monday evening. Um, five o'clock, whatever time the transfer window closes, and I think we'll see two more people in there. But before we look, yeah. uh, as I say, the transfer window can wait. We've got two massive games to play before that, and uh, and we're not even going to really, I suppose, talk about Liverpool, but Stoke. We've got Stoke, uh, which is a kind of. I don't know. I like the Carabao Cup being played midweek at the start of the season. I, I actually think it's something, and I hope it's something that they keep and that they reorganise the, the the calendar to, to, to do that and reorganise the, the European calendar too because I think this works because it floods people with football early on and it gets the Carabao Cup out of the way. Um, we're beneficiaries of this massively. Jacob Ramsey came on last night and he would not have seen minutes only for his good performance in the Carabao Cup. And it is a way of teams maybe to blood players, see what they have in the youth before they go and blow 20, 30 million in the transfer market in the last day of the season. Um, we've got Stoke on Thursday. Uh, I'm presuming nobody here wants to see any of the 11 that played last night uh, step on the field against Stoke. <laughs> what do you think, Ty? 
Would you risk anyone? Um, I, I think it'll be a, another rotation team, um, just like against uh, against Bristol and Burton. If I'm honest, um, I'd like. I think Traore will definitely start. Uh, I think Keenan Davis will get some minutes. I'm uh, I'm I'm really keen for Keenan Davis to get minutes. You know, uh, and I think to be fair. Considering we're quite an impatient fan base and have been over the last few years, Villa fans online have been quite patient with Keenan Davis, which I find surprising because there's probably times where he can be quite frustrating to watch. But there's times where he does things where you look at other attributes than being a goal scorer up front and think, yeah, he's really great. So his hold-up play is really good. Um, you know, if you need to waste five or ten minutes, end of the game, perfect, bring him on because he's a big, strong player, good at holding the ball up, just like McGinn when he sticks his backside into everybody. It's... it's uh, it's great, yeah, but I reckon you'll see a, a weakened youth squad again. Maybe you might see, I reckon you might see a bit of uh, Jack and McGinn, actually, to be fair, and maybe Mings or or Conta. I think you'll see one of those two, you know, because the opponents are starting to get a little bit tougher now. Mm-hmm. Um, Bristol put out a weakened side, you know, so you could tell straight away that they weren't expecting anything from the game. But I think Stoke might come a bit more uh, guns blazing this time round. Yeah, and I think I think that's fair. I, I I'm right in saying Dan Bjorn Engels is back in training. Maybe he might be someone we might see in defence. Maybe give him a run out, see if someone wants to pony up for him because he is somebody that seems to be on the chopping block. I think if an offer comes in for him, they would heavily consider it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he'll play on Thursday. I think it'll probably be too soon for him. I don't think he's played since that like Leicester game where we got mm-hmm. absolutely battered before the the world went to pot. So it'll be too soon for him. I don't think personally. I don't think we can afford to sell him because if we got rid of him, we've only got three centre backs in, in in the building. For me, you always need at least four, and I, I always quite like it if if you've got five centre backs, like like we started last season with, because it does give you the option if you want to ever change the three at the back. I'd say you had ha- to have five centre backs. I mean, I know Elmer played centre back last last week, which I I think he found quite amusing. Yeah. To, to be fair, the the Egyptian Nesta at centre half, they're stepping out with the ball, but. I've got no, I think Engels for where we're at at the moment, Engels as a, as a backup centre half, I think that's a pretty, a pretty strong position to, to be in. I look at Engels as being the backup for Concer and Hawes as being the backup for Mings. That would be the simplistic way mm-hmm. I would look at it. But the biggest thing I'm worried about on Thursday is, is James Chester playing because that's going to absolutely break my heart. You did, you were saying that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and look, James Chester, I think, is close to every villain's heart over the last three or four years. And uh, yeah, if he does get a run out, um, as I said, it's, it's going to be. It's a pity there won't be any Villa fans there to give him a give him yeah. give him a captain's applause because uh, you know he literally more or less gave up his career, his Premier League career, to 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 help Aston Villa. You know, so that there's there's a lot in that and for that year that he gave us. Um, yeah, are, are we do? I suppose does Dean Smith as well with with Stoke? Obviously, the weekend or Stoke on on Thursday, Liverpool at the weekend. It's going to be an interesting blend of alchemy or whatever you want to call it that Dean Smith is going to have to come up with because I would say in his mind's eye, he wants to keep the, the winning streak going. Um, like we're unbeaten in, Jesus, I can't remember what it is, eight games? No? Um, a few years now, it feels like. <laughs> it does, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a, yeah, we don't think we've, I'm just trying to think. Yeah, we've won eight games in a row or something like that at the moment, if you include, uh, oh no, we didn't. We drew against West Ham. Eight and B. I think we're eight and B at the moment overall, yeah. Yeah, I think we um I think we have won. I said this to Dan last night. I think we've won our first three games in a row at Villa Park since 2009 under Martin O'Neill. 
Jeez, that's a uh, yeah, because like the stat to win our first two Premier League games since 1999 was a mind blower. Um, that yeah. was crazy, crazy, crazy stat. That uh, considering the amount of years that we must have been that we were in the Premier League just treading water, when you like when you think back to it, even when we had Martin O'Neill there, you know, we still couldn't put two Premier League wins together at the start of the season, so we were obviously slow starters back then as well. So, so this is good. This is a very positive time to be an Aston Villa fan, and I hope we go out against Stoke. I hope. You know that those players uh, keep the fire lit for Aston Villa, and that uh, you know we come away with a win. It because it's been a competition. It's been good to us. It was good to us last year. It gave us the happy, probably the second happiest day of the season, getting to Wembley. And uh, yes, people can say that it probably detracted from our league performance, but you know you have to have a ticket to win that to win that uh, to win that trophy, and to win a trophy for Aston Villa is, is would be absolutely fantastic. And um, staying up is. I, I think this season staying up is uh, much more in our own hands. I think the team is more capable of it this year. So maybe press, pressing on and catching teams cold in the Carabao Cup this year. Have another crack at it, see if we can win it again would be great. We've got Chelsea and and Spurs tonight. So that's one one of the big six teams gone yeah. out of the competition. You know, we might get another favourable run. I think our running is actually favourable enough until the semi-final, um, provided that things go our way. And yeah, why not? Why not have another go at it with our youth team as well? Do you not think it's like peak Villa that pretty much the last game most Villa fans would have gone to would have been the cup final where we lost, and then we go and go and win it the year after when no one can go? That would that would just be like vintage Villa. We've all been waiting to say it's win a trophy since nineteen ninety six, and then the time will come and we won't be able to be there. That that just yeah. feels like something that could happen to me. Best of luck with your ten o'clock curfew in in Sally Hall in yeah. uh, in Hale Zone and 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 anywhere <laughs> like that, Boris. If Villa won a cup this year, best of luck with your ten o'clock curfew. No, oh, I'd, I'd never God. come in. I'd never go home. <laughs> I think that yeah. was the last time I seen you, wasn't it, Dan? Probably, mate. I feel like I haven't seen any Villa fans for. Yeah, a while. I, 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 I don't Park. live in Birmingham. Yeah, I don't live in Birmingham, so I've not not seen many Villa fans for a while. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, and hopefully, as I say, someone will come up with a magic vaccine. Hopefully, soon. And fingers uh, crossed, and we kick this, and uh, yeah, because like even getting over from Ireland, um, you know, it's not a big deal. You could do day trips to Villa Park, and, and it doesn't knock a jot off you. You know, 20 quid in Ryanair, you pay 20 quid getting on the train from London up to Birmingham, you know, probably more, definitely. You know, so it's uh, it's a case of uh, it's very easy for us to travel over here as well and uh, and get to Villa Park. So the, lo- the sooner it comes around, the better. Um, so guys, listen, I've taken up way too much of your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much, uh, Ty and Dan. Um, I, I'm almost, I feel like I'm patronizing telling people to, to watch you guys in the Villa View because no, I'm no, no. here. <laughs> you know, if you aren't watching the Villa View already, then you're, it's you that's wrong. Okay. It's not, it's not the guys, it's not the guys problem at all, but, the um, yeah, if you guys want to want to plug, uh, just just so I don't get any handles wrong on Twitter or anything like that, because I I'm the worst. I'm I'm only dyslexic when I read Twitter handles, so I'm not. Uh, Dan needs to... Dan needs the followers more than me. I'll let him. I just I was just going to say that last night when you came on, there was like so much love for this podcast in the chat going going through whilst whilst you were talking and whilst we were uh, we were doing our stuff on the Villa View. So it's great to say I, I love that there's so many Villa podcasts and that mm. everyone wants to help each other. There's there's like a little community. I, I yeah. think it's, it's really good and it's a pleasure for me and Ty to, to come on here today. We'll Definitely. give my athlete, my athletic podcaster a little plug though, 1874 with, with Greg Evans because people might not be aware of that. But, but yeah, the Villa View, 1874. 
hopefully people enjoy them. And yeah, just I encourage everyone to listen to as many Villa fan podcasts as, as they can because people are mo- we're doing it mostly out of pure love. Mm-hmm. The 1874, actually, I'm going to double on that as well. The Athletic is my favourite publication, and I'm not saying that. You guys will see behind me, uh, I've got American football apparel here behind me. Uh, um, yeah. The Athletic is just, it's, it's proper journalism for me. They get, uh, like, even when they first broke into the UK market, they had that conversation with Jack Grealish's old school. Um, he's old, um, I can't even remember what it was. It was like his secondary school soccer coach. Uh, at the time and they went back and they found people who spotted him when he was 10 11 12 and everything yeah. it's just really great articles there in the athletic too and and you guys and, and and as i say yourself and greg are doing fantastic things in the athletic and and long may continue because uh they've been a source of super information even in the nfl and stuff and i'm delighted to see them hit the hit the premier league market so uh it's uh, it's definitely one of the subscriptions that i would never uh, think of canning anyway because the content is just too good and it's different to the clickbait uh, in your face, potential negativity that you get on maybe more mainstream uh, uh, publications and so on. So, uh, thank you for all you do on that as well. Ty, where can people find you? Um, I'm not going to plug me, okay. Neil. I want to plug you because you're someone who talks very passionately. I mean, now probably more so than ever is uh there's a lot of podcasts starting there's a lot of i don't want to say competition because as dan said there's quite a nice tight-knit community of content creators um but from when i started listening to your podcast mate just full of energy and a breath of fresh air and something a little bit different to the rest of the villa podcasts and it's always nice to hear an irish accent there's just something about irish accents that just make you smile um and that's why you know people might think that uh neil approached us i approached neil i wanted to come on and i said stan do you want to go on with neil so you know we wanted to come on the famous uh with the famous neil that's what we wanted to do so i want to plug you mate shout out to you you're the real mvp <laughs> thanks so much I'm, I'm blushing people can't see it here i'm actually blushing yes i can see him yes. i can see yeah you can definitely say that <laughs> as a as a as a true a true irishman we don't take compliments well we're usually getting we're used to getting kicks up the arse than anything than, than compliments so thank you <laughs> i will take them i'm going to speak to my therapist after this and get used to taking compliments a small bit more <laughs> <laughs> baby steps mate baby steps. baby steps exactly well thank you so much guys for coming on um and uh, as i say here's to uh i suppose look hey why, why stop at stoke here's to beating stoke this week and then going on and giving liverpool a good shake up um if we can get at their defense like like arsenal did in the early half last night and arsenal could have scored three last night lacazette just kicked two off allison he didn't even have to save them for some crazy reason last night um lacazette just seemed to not want to score a hat-trick but uh hopefully ollie watkins is in is in the form and jack Grealish is in the form we can cause them some difficulties um at the weekend too Thanks so much, guys, for coming on. Uh, thanks to thanks everybody. For us, yeah. I've seen no any time, any time. Uh, you're more than welcome. And thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, as I say, a busy week uh, this week. Two games and a transfer window. So we're going to take a small bit of breath over the next day or so. Come back to you after the Stoke game. But all that's left to say is up the villa. Up the villa. Up the villa. Hold the back page. I completely forgot to do our Laker Sports 
God's choice. Man of the match for the Fulham game last night. I got caught up talking to the guys, but it would be uh, very remiss of me not to mention our uh, our sponsor, Lakra Sports. Sports uh, gear, sports apparel uh, company based here in Limerick, in, in County Limerick in Ireland. Available to do anything for any sports club, any um, school team, any college team or anything like that that you have. Whether it's jerseys, hoodies, tracksuits, bags, you name it, that they will be able to give you a good competitive price just give call give john a call um and you'll be able to find any of their date their details just google lacra sports or you'll be able to find their twitter handle on the tweet for this podcast as well and the lacra sports god's choice man a match last night was john mcginn and i think it's very very fitting because john mcginn has come in for a small bit of criticism well maybe not criticism but he's dean smith mentioned that he has been um there's been a lot of people maybe questioning him after the sheffield united game last night he was back up to full fitness he ran the show he was everywhere he had two assists as i mentioned in the podcast he was on the who scored team of the week and he is a very very willing recipient of the Lakers sports god's choice man of the match award for the fulham game as i said there about to the guys that's definitely it this is podcast over and all that's left to say is up the villa Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.